And we're going to continue. Uh, I'm glad we got a couple of people getting baptized today. Isn't that a blessing? That's a real blessing. Uh, now, I got to tell you, uh, Liam is one of those guys getting baptized. And uh, I told his brothers yesterday, you know what Carlos said? Keep him down a little longer. So, so I, I don't know. That, I didn't think that was quite nice of Carlos. I'm like, Carlos, you're in Bible school, man. Come on, you know. Uh, but anyways, uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's really good. And then Brother Jay even, I believe, uh, if he makes it, uh, he should be here. Uh, we'll be joining in membership. <laughs> Sean's like, hey. uh, he'll be uh, joining in membership officially today as well. Uh, all right, John chapter number five. John chapter five. Let me uh, just point out that there's always going to be noise. There's always going to be clatter, and what you're learning in John chapter 5 is that uh, Jesus Christ, who is a sinless man, uh, they found fault with him. And uh, you are not going to serve God and have everybody like you. You're not going to have, uh, serve God and have everybody go, yep, you're doing a great job, keep it up, good work, I'm praying for you. Uh, as a matter of fact, do you know what Paul says about what he did before he got saved? He thought he was doing God's service by persecuting the church. All right. Now, how can someone be so bent, right, on, on saying this is the right way and the whole time be going against God? And I'll tell you what it really boils down to is it's an issue of authority. Uh, the issue of our day and age is I could, I could wrap it up in two things. It is identity and authority. Uh, people don't know who they are. And the reason they don't know who they are is they haven't submitted to God's authority. When you submit, Brother Javen's here. We're going to start all over again. Let's get Brother Eric back up. Let's sing a song. Uh, you still want to join us today, brother? All right. Good, good. You guys still want him to join in membership? Okay, all right, good. Uh, then it's, it's unanimous vote. We're all good. Uh, all right, so, but what I'm getting at is this, guys. Uh, when you don't submit to God's authority, you're submitting to someone's authority. Uh, and when you don't submit to the word of God, you're going to submit to some other person or some other thing. It's impossible for you to go, I'm my own person. I, I don't submit to any authority. When you submit to no authority, you're submitting to Satan's authority. And you may not realize that, but that's, that's a biblical truth. I didn't come up with that. Jesus Christ did. I know I've referenced it a lot lately, uh, but he says to Peter, get behind me what? Amen. What great thing did Peter do? Was he selling crack cocaine in front of Jesus? No. Uh, was he, you know, soliciting a, a woman of the night? No. Uh, was he partying and reveling? No. You know what Peter's doing? Peter disagrees with what God says and makes it public. Now, look, you can disagree with what God says. But let me just give you a, night. Let me give you a, a little uh, uh, piece of advice. Uh, when you do that, understand that's not God's spirit leading you. And so when you go against God's authority, you have to step back and go, what spirit is leading me? And I can tell you right now, the Pharisees have a different spirit. We talked about that last week. Uh, look at John chapter 5. Look at verse number 17. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Now, there's a lot in that verse you don't realize. What, what Jesus is saying there is, uh, the work you're seeing me do is the Father working through me. And, and they picked up on it. Look at verse 18. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. I want to explore that this morning and talk a little about what they charge him with. And what they charge him with is the charge of blasphemy. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask for God's blessing. We'll jump right into it. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for beautiful sun shining, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for vehicles to get to church, clothes on our back, food in our stomachs, Lord. Uh, beyond all of the, the, the carnal blessings, Lord, being saved, being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that heaven is our home and that uh, your comforter dwells within us regardless of what goes on 
in this world. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. God, we pray that you would bless uh, the teaching of your word. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would illuminate, that you would lead and guide in all truth. We ask for your blessing now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask if there's anyone here that is not saved, they come today and they don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, that they might be saved today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 5, if you would, look at verse 17 again and verse 18. And what, the, what you see here at the end of verse number 18 is a charge that Jesus Christ made himself equal with God. Now, blasphemy is defined in Webster's 1828 dictionary as an injury offered to God by denying that which is due and belonging to him or attributing to him that which is not agreeable to his nature. So it goes one of two ways. It is either you looking at God and saying that's not God, all right, basically at Jesus and saying, you're just a man, that's blasphemy. The other route is to attribute something to God that has nothing to do with God. That's where the term blasphemy of the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Ghost comes in, in the Gospels. Now, uh, look at John chapter number 10. John chapter 10, and look, if you would, at verse number 33. Now, let me just say this again. We said last week, if Jesus Christ had just showed up here, or Jesus as a man had shown up here on this earth, and he was not who he said he was, and he just pretended to be God. He had made himself God. Understand that what the Jews and the Pharisees were advocating for, for his death by capital punishment, would have been correct according to the Old Testament law. If Jesus Christ is not who he said he was, then the charge, the accusation of blasphemy, the only response to that is capital punishment according to the Old Testament. Now, uh, kids will get capital punishment and corporal punishment confused. So I want to make sure we draw a line of distinction there. Corporal punishment is when you get a butt whooping. Capital punishment is when you lose your head. They're different, all right? All right, don't confuse the two, all right? But uh, as, as it relates to blasphemy, look at John chapter 10 and look at verse number uh, 33. John chapter 10, verse number, uh, look at verse 30. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones, verse 31, again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you for my father. For which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for what? And how do they describe that? Because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. The question is, did he just make himself to be God? Or was he in fact God? We've gone through a lot of scripture on this before, uh, but I want to go through it again. Just remember, we're not going to have you turn there. In the beginning was the what? Word. Word. All right. Now that's the title given to Jesus Christ from eternity past and it goes in eternity in the future. His eternal title is the Word of God. When he dips down into time, he takes on a different title, and it's the Son of God. He is the only begotten Son of God. And understand this, he was the I am that I am forever and ever and ever before this. But when he came down to this earth, born of a virgin, that's what we celebrate this time of year. When he came on this earth to be born of a virgin, he was not just the word of God, that's his eternal title as God, but now he takes on a title of son. He's the only begotten son of God. Understand this much, he's not the only son of God. You're a son of God. Uh, look at John chapter 1, look at verse number 12. You are a son of God. You know new versions change that and make him the only son of God? He's not the only son of God. Uh, that, that right there is, is incorrect because you are called a son of God. Uh, John chapter 1, look if you would at verse number 12. You know what's funny about this whole uh, version thing? People get kind of twisted up about, about it. Uh, let me put it to you this way. If uh, you wives are talking to your husband and you say, babe, I need you home at 5 o'clock. And then he gets home at 6 o'clock. And you throw your hands up and go, what were you thinking? And he says, well, I just thought that what you really meant was, does that work for you ladies? How come you're okay with people doing that with the Bible? 
Like you, 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 it's amazing how strict you take your word and how loosely Christians will take God's word. Now, now think about this. He's not the only son of God. He's the only begotten son of God. He's the only one that came into this world through the father, and that was his only father. He did not have an earthly one. Therefore, he's the only begotten son of God. Look at John chapter 1, verse number 12, talking about those that he came unto. He came to his own, his own received him not, verse 11. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the what? Sons of God. All right, so you are a son of God. Now, ladies, guess what? I, I've, I've seen the poems that call you daughters and princesses, and I'm not going to say, that's wicked and ungodly or whatever. I, if you want to call your, your girl, you know, you're God's princess, you're God's daughter, I'm not going to go against you. But just understand, the Bible term for all of us is son of God. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 3. And uh, we've seen this before. We're going to see it again. Uh, I, I look forward to the day when I'm just like him. I am not just like him right now. Uh, you're not just like him right now. Uh, people say, you know, I, I believe in the teachings of Jesus. Uh, Elon Musk talking about, you know, I believe in the teachings of Jesus. I hope the guy gets saved. I'm not making fun of that. I'd love to see him get saved. That'd be great. But he says, I believe in the teachings of Jesus and how he talks about turning the other cheek and then he goes on television and tells anyone that doesn't agree with him to do some things that I won't say from the pulpit. How about that? All right. And you say, what is that? Well, what it is is people say that they agree with the teachings of Jesus, but they don't understand who he is. I understand that Jesus Christ, and, and we're not like him. We're going to be like him someday. If you're saved, you're going to be just like him. Amen. And everything you say is going to be perfect. And the Bible says, if any man offend not in word or deed, the same is a perfect man. And guess what that means? None of us are there. Uh, but, but, but Jesus Christ never did. He never did anything wrong with his words. Now listen, think about this. He never said anything wrong. And yet they found fault with them. All right? So, so look at 1 John chapter 3. And notice, you are a son of God. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the what? Sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because the new and not. But beloved, now, present tense, are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, future tense. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about the rapture of the church. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about it. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about it. We were just in that the other day uh, discussing that. And you say, what is that? Well, when that, when that day happens and that trumpet blows and you hear the voice of a trumpet talking with you and every sheep hears his voice and uh, I hear him say, come up hither, Adrian Dominguez. And I say, Brother Javen, did you hear that? God just called my name. And Javen goes, no, he didn't. He called my name. Right, and we go around the room like that. Now, listen. Let me tell you. You know, what my dream is my dream is for the rapture to happen when I'm preaching. That's my dream. I realize what that does to everyone that's not in my time zone. That's my brother in Christ who's also a preacher. That means they probably won't be doing this. I get that. It's a selfish dream. I admit. Uh, but of all the things you could be caught doing when the Lord comes back, I'd like to be here. All right. Uh, There's some things I've done in my life that I thought, man, I'm sure I'm glad He didn't come back then. <laughs> Uh, but listen, what I'm getting at is this. You are called a son of God. However, he is the only, John chapter 3, verse 16, everybody knows it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Lord, now if you go through Matthew and, you, and, and Luke and see all these chronicles and genealogies, they'll say, this guy begat this guy, and this guy begat this guy, and this guy begat th this guy. You say, what is that? Uh, that's procreation. And it's physical in nature. And the reason why Jesus Christ is called the only begotten is because he's the only one that was physically the son of God. 
All right, you are, you are his offspring, you are his creation, but you don't gain the image of God, which we'll talk about. You don't become a son of God until you come through Jesus Christ. Not your church, not baptism, not religion, none of that stuff. You come and you become born again, and when you're born again, you're adopted into God's family, and he makes you his son. Thank God for that, amen? That's a good deal. Uh, now, now listen, the question is this, did Jesus Christ make himself God? Now, according to the Bible, no, the answer is no. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. You're already in John 1, so look at John chapter... Oh, you were in John 1. Go back to John 1 real quick. Look at John 1, John chapter 1. And uh, Brother Ben, it's good to see you. He's uh, training to uh, become a detention officer, and uh, I hadn't seen him for about a week or so. And so he comes in, he looks at the baby, he goes, Did she get a haircut? I said, No, she's been bald since day one, man. Uh, <laughs> I said, don't, don't, you know, don't make her have any less hair than she already has. Uh, Look at John chapter 1, and uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number 3. All right, verse number 2, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Who's that talking about? The word of God. And the reason you know that, look at verse 14, same chapter. The word is then made what? Flesh, and he dwelt among us. All right, so, so consider this. Look at uh, when he comes and he dips in, this is the eternal God. Through, through which time has no hold, right? And, and yet, it's funny because over there in, uh, uh, where is it at? Over in Revelation, it talks about for the space of half an hour, and Brother Craig would say, this is proof text that there are no women in heaven. And I would, I would never agree with him on this, guys, ladies at all. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just reiterating what he said. Uh, there's proof text in the Bible, there's no women in heaven because it says in Revelation, uh, it says there uh, uh, that uh, there was uh, silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. Okay, we'll move on, all right? So anyways, that said, now think about this. Here's what's actually funny about that. What's actually funny about that is God's eternal. How do you measure half an hour in heaven? You know what that shows you is that God dips down into our world and says things that we can relate to just so we can connect with them. God says, I will break away from my eternal position just so I can relate to you. And that's what he did when he became a man. And that's really important to get hold of because there's things that Jesus Christ limited himself to. All right? But I want you to get hold of this. Jesus is not, he did not make himself the son of God. God the Father made him the son of God. When, when Jesus Christ submitted to the Father's will and came and said, I will, I will put this title on hold. Now, you say, what do we say on hold? Do you know when that title is put back into place? Uh, I won't have you turn there, but when Jesus Christ shows up at the second coming, you know his title is? The Word of God. All right, well, why is that? Eternity this way, Word of God. When he goes out in eternity this way, Word of God. When he comes down and lives a human experience, he takes on the title, Son of God. Now, look at Psalm chapter number 2. Going about to Psalm chapter 2. And I want to make it very clear, Jesus Christ did not just make himself something that he wasn't. Um, he's literally the fulfillment of prophecy. And he checks all the boxes. Uh, we got young ladies that are dating young guys, and they got boxes they want to check, you know? Uh, if you're before, ladies, young ladies, before you date a guy, all right, get to know Jesus. He checks all the boxes, okay? Uh, look at Psalms chapter number two, and uh, this is what we call a messianic psalm. Uh, it sounds messy, but it's not. It's, it means Messiah, all right? What, what it means is that it points to the coming of the Messiah. Now, what's really interesting is this. Uh, I would say the vast majority of prophecy about Jesus Christ, and, and you read the Old Testament, you'll get this, the vast majority of prophecy about Jesus Christ is not about his first coming. It's about his second coming. 
uh, the first coming is so much more limited in scope. You say, why? Well, think about it. What do you think God's more interested in? The suffering of his own son or the reigning of his son? You know, you know what? This is where he finally gets what's rightfully his. And the only reason I can tell you with confidence that I know how the story ends, I didn't write it, is because there's a spirit inside of me that gave us this book as well. And it, you know what that's called? The spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus Christ, Revelation, is the spirit of prophecy. All right? So you can look in the Bible and know what's coming. It doesn't mean that I've got any great power or mystical thing. It just means I can read fifth grade English. Amen? All right? Now, that said, understand this much. Most of the prophecy in the Old Testament is about this event over here. Him coming back and getting what's rightfully his. So Psalm 2 is no exception to that. Look at Psalm chapter 2. And uh, look, if you would, at verse, well, let's start in verse 1, just for context. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Uh, you say, what is that? That's the geopolitical scene trying to kick God out. And it's not going to work. Uh, verse 2 talks about the kings get together uh, against the Lord. Look at verse 2 at the end. Against the Lord and against his what? You know what anointed is? I'll give you the, the, the Hebrew title. Here it is. Messiah. Messiah in English. You know what it is in, in uh, Greek? Christos. You know what we call that? Christ. So you know what you got? You got the anointed of God, Jesus Christ. He did not anoint himself. When he goes to get baptized there, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down to him like a dove. And God the Father speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. God, endor God the Father endorses him and then gives the Spirit publicly so those that are there know that the Spirit of God was upon him. What is that? That's God anointing his Son and saying, You carry forth the ministry. I am behind you. I don't care if nobody else is behind you. It doesn't matter what the other people say. It doesn't matter what the, 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 the majority says. It doesn't matter what the media says or religious leaders say. All that matters is that I, as your father, am behind you. You better learn that lesson, Christian. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. If God's behind you, then you're moving in the right direction. And Jesus Christ fulfills that. Look at uh, Psalm chapter 2, verse number, uh, let's go down to verse number 5. Uh, no, I'm sorry, verse number 6. Yet have I set my king... Upon my holy hill of Zion, that's in Jerusalem, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my what? This day have I what? Begotten thee. Now, I, I want to get into some things about uh, some other verses in the, in the book of Psalms that kind of point to this, but this is the Lord Jehovah, God the Father, saying, Thou art my son. This, now think about this, he says this, This what have I begotten thee? day. You know what that is? Time. Over here is eternal. He dips down to deal with us, to live a human experience, and he limits himself. And he limits himself to time. Think about this. God has not bound by time. That's why you're always like, God, I need this. And God's like, man, we're good. Right? Yeah. Anybody ever lived through that? You're praying for something and asking for something. And asking, God, I just know I need this right now. And the Lord's like, I'm, you know, do, 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 do. That's how it feels because God's not bound to time like we are. Now, he understands. He feels what we feel. We have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But let me ask you, why does God have the ability to feel what we feel? You know, what, you know the reason, the answer? Hebrews, I just quoted to you, Jesus Christ, that's the answer. God becoming flesh and limiting himself as the Son of God in time. Now, uh, let me say this. Image is everything, all right? If you don't believe that, just look at Hollywood. Image is everything. All right, well, look at Genesis chapter number one. Brother, if you go to the next slide for me. Genesis chapter number one. 
And uh, look, if you would, at verse number, yeah, my, my wife said I look just like him. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, pray for my wife's vision. It's going bad. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. Now, let me just say this. You know you're getting old when you're doing this. And we both have caught each other doing that. Like, what are you doing? Nothing. You know. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. Look, if you would have verse number 27. Watch this. The first reference to the word image in your Bible is not your image. Right? And I say this as graciously as I can. The world's not all about you. And the Bible's not all about you. It's about Jesus. It's about the Lord. Now, now the, the first reference, the first reference to image is God's that he's giving to us. Watch it. Genesis 1, So God created man in his own what? In the image of God created he him, male and female. God, thank you for clarity. Male and female <laughs> created he them. So, so man, is made, man is given the image of God perfectly in creation. We understand that man loses that, all right? Man loses the image of God from a spiritual standpoint. Think of it this way. In the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. And the devil says, ye shall not surely die. Isn't that so nice and positive of the devil? Oh, it won't be that bad. You won't die. And it's a half-truth. That's the most dangerous lie. They didn't die physically. They died spiritually. And when they died spiritually, you know what they lost? The image of God. Look at Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. You know what man's problem is? Man wants to worship what he can see. Man does not want to worship by faith. People say all the time, I wish I, you know, the Old Testament, they didn't have to live by faith. Well, they kind of still did, guys. I understand that there's more sight involved in the Old Testament, but, but imagine that God does show up in a flaming bush of fire and tells you, I want you to go back to Egypt and stand up to the mightiest king of the world. I'm sorry, it still takes faith to do that. Uh, in other words, any time that man has to interact with God, there's an element of faith that has to be applied in order to, to dwell with him and interact with him. In order to respond with obedience, you have to walk by faith. All right, you say, what is it? Well, man wants to worship at what he can see. That's why you're tempted. If you Listen, if you don't worship a little statue, you know what you're going to worship? Your job. You know, a lot of Christians worship their family. Got real quiet on that one. You know why? Because family's first. Well, family's first behind God. Um, I, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you have a better chance of reaching your family if you live for Jesus Christ, even if for a period of time they reject what you're about. Amen. I, I've been there long enough to see it in my own life where people that at one time in my family are like, get away from me, are now saying, you got the answers. Not because of me, because of this book. And they see the consistency, and they go, well, if it's that important to you that you're going to do that, there must be something to that. And you know what a lot of Christians do? They fold the family, put the pressure on them. Listen, let me remind you, when Jesus is caught in the temple with his mom and dad, and they go, oh, what you mean you to break? Why did you do this to break my heart? Mary says, you know, Mary, did you know that you'd forget your boy at church someday for a long time, right? Took him three days to get back. And, and what does he say? Wish you not that I must be about my what? Father's business. The first priority was God. It doesn't mean you don't love your family. It just means this. It means that, 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 that the idol of my life should not be family. The image that I seek after in my life should not be family, should not be career, should not be money. It should be that of God. And I don't, listen to me carefully. One of the mistakes we make is we want to make God like us. And God, I'm going to make you in my image instead of taking you the way you are in the Bible. Yeah, I've heard Christians, Christians say this. Why did God allow genocide in the Old Testament? You, if you're reading your Bible, you ought to know better than that. 
first off, do you even know what was going on in those societies when God said to wipe them out? Some of you don't know. You know what they're doing to children? Things that are unspeakable that I wouldn't say from the pulpit. And God says, you know what? I got to wipe this out because if I don't wipe it out, they're never going to stop doing their perverted garbage. And so, yes, God did call for that. And there's a whole litany of other reasons I won't go into right now. But people say things like, you know why? Because if I was God, I'm glad you're not God. We'd probably all be in hell if you were God. Because you get angry and, you know, make up your mind. that Everyone just deserves to go to hell. And you know what? No, not me, not me. Yeah, right. Listen, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You can't stand people in traffic, let alone knowing all their sins. Think about a God that knows every single thought you've ever had times eight billion. And he doesn't just wipe it all out. You know what that is? That's a merciful God. It really is. Uh, look at Genesis chapter 5. Look at verse number 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Likeness and image are connected. So an image is the likeness of something. All right, it, it is going to represent something. It's going to look like something else. So, so he says that about man. Look at verse number 2. Male and female created he them, in case you missed it in chapter 1, and blessed them and called their name Adam. That's why, ladies, when you get married, you take his last name. Uh, and any attempt to overthrow that is just recent stuff that goes against Scripture. Amen. I said it, and I'll say it again. Amen. It's Bible, all right? And that's where the tradition comes from. It's not the patriarchy trying to put you down. Uh, it's the idea. Am I, you guys understand what I'm talking about? All right? So what I'm getting at is this. There's all kinds of things in our society. The, the, the pillars of our society being held up, they've all kind of crashed. And we're watching. You know what you don't want? You don't want homelessness rampant. You don't want drug uh, abuse rampant. And you've got it. You know what you want? You want safer streets. You don't have it. You know why? Because our society figured out we don't need God in that book anymore. And now you're starting to see the unraveling. Uh, Christian, let me say this. They'll use titles, chauvinists, you know, and let me say this right now. Gentlemen, you ought to treat your wife like a queen. You ought to honor her. You ought to speak gently under her. You ought to treat her very delicately. You ought to do everything you can. Listen, I married my wife. I didn't have two nickels to rub together. Couldn't afford to buy her French fries when she was pregnant with Ariana because we had no money in the bank because I was, I was digging ditches. That's all the money we had it was to pay our bills. You know what? I, I've tried to make up for it since then. You say, why? Because she deserves it. I don't think you ought to treat your wife poorly, gentlemen. But at the same time, the Bible is the Bible, and the Bible says you're supposed to be the leader. And these are things that our society doesn't like to hear. As soon as I say them, I come about the love of God. I come about the great, oh, amen, amen. Talk about authority and structure. It's actually a little more like this. Like something just tightens up in you. You say, why is that? Because you've been hearing this stuff your whole entire life. It goes against the Bible. All right? Now, now it says their name was Adam. We'll move on because it's not in the notes, but there it is. Uh, look at verse number three. And Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son in his what? After whose image? Not God's. So understand this, when man sins, he loses that. Look at Exodus chapter 20. God gives a warning about images. Uh, and the warning goes something like this. Don't make them. Don't bow down to them. Don't worship them. Uh, look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And uh, if you look at verse number three, uh, this is the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And in light of that, that's not making the any graven image or any likeness of thing that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You know what's crazy about this? Twelve chapters later, you know what happens? Aaron makes a golden calf. 
It's almost like God kind of knew where this was headed. Imagine that. Imagine that God knows us better than we know ourselves. I mean, don't you think when Moses said this, everyone's like, well, duh, duh. Yeah, yeah, we know that's how the Egyptians did. We're not like them. We're different. So, so yeah, of course. And yet 12 chapters later, that's what they're doing. Uh, God puts those warnings in there. And he, and he puts that warning in there to, to remind us we like to worship what we can see. And I don't think there's anything wrong with taking care of your stuff. Uh, but if you, you know, lose your ever-loving mind because someone scratches your car, you need a little bit of perspective in life. Uh, I'm not trying to hurt you if that's you. I think I'll take care. I'm not saying, you know, dump stuff all over the floor of the car and who cares, you know, dirty diaper. Yeah, throw it back there, you know, and whatever. I'm not saying that, but I'm, at the same time, don't make an image out of stuff. Yeah. Don't make an idol out of stuff. All right, look at Exodus chapter 23. Look at Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. And look, if you would, at verse number uh, 23. Exodus 23, 23. For mine angel, that's the appearance of the Lord, God speaking there when he says mine angel, that's why A is capitalized. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring, in the Old Testament, uh, we're not going to do a study on it right now, there's appearances of the Lord and the appearances of the Lord are the angel of the Lord. And you know that because when he leaves the presence of the people he's talking to, they'll go, I just saw God face to face and God does not correct them, but rather puts it in his book. All right, look at uh, verse number 23. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in under the Amorites, and, uh, into the, uh, the, the, bring thee in under the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their what? Nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their... Uh, now, let me just say this for you that think, well, this is an Old Testament thing and I don't got a problem with that. Uh, you may not bow down to a statue, and I hope you don't. You shouldn't. It's a bit clear from the, old, from the Bible not to do that. Uh, but the issues that we oftentimes have as Christians are not physical images. They're emotional and mental ones. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. That word image is a strong word in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So you know what God does? God sends his image down to mankind perfectly through Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you the reference to that in just a moment. So God, Jesus didn't make himself the image of God. Uh, the Father did that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look, if you would, at verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? You know what the root word of imagination is? <laughs> Image. So you know what you've got? You've got God telling you, look, uh, when I created man perfectly without sin, he had my image. He loses that image. And after that, he tells man, don't bow down, don't make them, don't worship them. You say, why? Because it's in us to want to worship what we can see. It's in us, let me say it this way, to want to worship ourselves. Let me tell you why daily affirmations are not of God. Can I help you out a little bit? All right, I am beautiful. I am wonderful. I am amazing. I know some of you might think I'm crazy for saying this is not right. Bear with me. Let me tell you what you can do. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But when you say, I am, I am, I am, you know whose title that is? That is not your title. That's another spirit leading this world in a new age garbage, and Christians are soaking it up because they don't know any better. 
All right, I am is a title of God. Jesus Christ says, before Abraham was, I am. All right, listen, listen, it was Lucifer, Lucifer that said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. You see, what is that? Self-affirmation. I don't need to affirm myself. God does that for me through Christ, you see? So, so what you need to watch out for is this stuff about images and imaginations. And You see, what is it? It's something that you make up that does not align with the character of God. Let me give you an example. Uh, Christians will go in two extremes. God is like Zeus, and anytime I make a bad choice, or he's just ready to zap me and kill me and blow me to smithereens, and, and you know, God just, he's going to execute judgment. I, I can just feel it right now. Well, that's not biblical. He's your father. He's going to correct you, and he's just, and he's righteous, and he's going to instruct you, and he's going to, uh, as the Bible says, he's going to scourge every son that he receives, but he doesn't just sit up there waiting to zap you with a lightning bolt. Can I give you another extreme? God's basically Santa Claus. And anything that I like, anything that I want, anything that I'm going to do, God's for it. That's also not biblical. Those are false images of God. The image of God is found in Jesus Christ. And the way you learn about that image of God is through that book right there. When you go outside of that book, you're just making stuff up as you go, which is where our society is at. All right, so look, he says, uh, listen, what you want to do with images and, and, and those things is break them down. A New Testament application, cast those things down that don't belong there. All right, now in light of that, look at Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter one. Jesus is God's image to mankind. And the Antichrist is the devil's image to mankind. Uh, you ever wonder why this whole image thing is such a big deal? I mean, what does the Antichrist do when he gets a chance? He makes an image of himself for the whole world to worship. This image thing is, is from Genesis to Revelation. It's there if you're paying attention. And the, the way to find the image of God is through Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. I'll never forget one time I was asking someone, a Christian, they're going to go down a pretty dark road. And, and uh, they said, what do you think? And I told them, and they said, well, here's what I think. Okay. I know what they said. I think God has no problem with this. I said, okay. You try to tell them, you know, don't, don't do it. Yeah, no. I already had tried that. See, what do you do? You pray for them. You say, why? Because when someone goes down that road, they've already made an image in their mind of who, what they want and who God is. And God is their spiritual ATM. He's not really the God of the Bible. Uh, look, if you would, at Colossians 1, verse 15. This is talking about Jesus Christ. It says this, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. That's Jesus Christ. Uh, the verse before it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And then it goes on to say, he is the image of God. All right, look at Revelation chapter 13. So the, the devil sees that and he goes, I want to imitate that. I want to have my own image. Let me just tell you right now, anytime you go after something that belongs to God and you go about it your own way, I'm, I'm going to say this and I prayed about it. I'm not throwing these words out flippantly. I'm telling you, it's the same reason why Jesus tells Peter what he does. It's satanic to do that. It's your will above God's. It's your image above God's. Uh, look at Revelation chapter 13. Look at verse number 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an what? Image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the what? image of the beast that the image of the beast might speak and all that stuff so here's what you got you've got over here in the garden god makes man 
in his own image and gives man the image of God. And man says, you know what? I'll do things my way, listens to the devil, and he loses the image of God. So God says, I'll send my word uh, down as the only begotten, and you'll regain the image of God if you're willing to accept what he does for you. So you know what man, most, a lot of mankind, I say the majority of mankind does? No thanks, I'll find my own way. You say, what is it? It's a constant rejection of God's image. So because of that, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because of a constant rejection of the image of God, God goes, look, if you don't want my image, I'll let you have someone else's. Uh, let me tell you something. One of the worst things you can get in your life is what you want when God's trying to stop you. Uh, listen, you know what God does for every sinner on this earth? He tries to keep them from going to hell. He put a pretty major significant event roadblock in their way, and some of them accept it and some reject it. Uh, if someone rejects it, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And by the way, it's talking about the, uh, what, what events take place after the rapture of the church. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number, uh, yeah, verse number 9. Even him, talking about that wicked one of verse 8, the Antichrist, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Why is, he work, why is it the working of Satan? I'll tell you why. Because he wants to superimpose his image over God's. He wants man to worship his image over God's. And, and this is why I keep saying this, Christian. I know you're not the devil. I know you're not the Antichrist. I'm simply saying when we try to impose our image over that of God's, we're doing the devil's work for him. All right, you see, how do you do that? By saying, I want what I want, regardless of what God says, my image matters more than his. Uh, look at uh, verse number uh, 10. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be what? And for this cause, who sends them strong delusion that they should believe a lie? Not the devil. You know what that tells you? You reject truth, you reject truth, you reject the image of God, you reject what God's true image is, and God goes, okay, if you don't want my image, here's one. Uh, over there in, uh, I believe it's in Hosea, it says that the, the person that has a multitude of idols in their heart, God would answer them by a false prophet according to the, the multitude of idols in their heart. In other words, if you don't want truth and you go fishing for your own agenda, you're going to get your own agenda instead of truth. It's a warning from God. And one of the greatest things you can do as a Christian is go, Lord, I don't even necessarily honestly like everything about your image. Be honest. I don't like all that because my flesh goes against that. But that's right, and I'm going to submit to that. And, and you understand, Jesus Christ literally is the image of God. Therefore, if he's the image of God, he was the word of God, he's attributed with creation in eternity past, as is God. And, and it says uh, the, uh, uh, of him, when he comes, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, and God the Father puts his hand on him by anointing him with the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, uh, oil was a picture of the Holy Spirit. So you know what they would do before they would anoint a king, a prophet, a priest? They'd pour oil over their head. When Jesus Christ gets baptized and comes out of that water, instead of oil being dropped down, it's the Spirit of God. It's the Father's way of saying, I'm behind this. He did not make this up on his own. I'm endorsing this, right? You got all kinds of political stuff going on, and they end it with this. I approve this message, right? You know what God says to Jesus Christ? This is my beloved son, to whom I am well pleased. I approve this message. And so Jesus Christ did not make himself uh, God. He was equal with God. Look at uh, uh, Colossians. Go to Colossians real quickly. We are real close, just a little bit to the left. Colossians. 
No, 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 Philippians. Excuse me, Philippians. Go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, look if you would at verse number 5. When you find yourself going, I just, I just think this is beneath me. I'm not going to do it. Even though you know God's behind it, watch out. Because if God can leave his throne, and God who is eternal can dip into time, and God who has never sinned can touch sinners, nothing should be beneath you if it's in the service of God. Now, now look here, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mindset? Who being in the what? Form of God. You say, why? He's the image of God. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with who? God. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. He is the image of God, but he allows himself to be in the likeness of men. Now, I, I say all this because I want you to understand that Jesus Christ, the, the revelation that he received and the knowledge that he had, when he came to this earth, he submitted himself and became a, a, a servant to all. He says, the greatest among you will be who? Not the chiefest, but those that serve. And so he says, you know what? I'll, take no, I'll be of no reputation, and I'll take upon myself the form of a servant, but I know I am the word become flesh. I know I'm equal with God. Uh, look at uh, Psalm 45. Look at Psalm 45 real quickly. Psalm 45. Psalm chapter 45, and uh, look at verse number 6. Psalm chapter 45, thank you, brother. Psalm 45, verse number 6. Pray for our media guys. I never tell them to flip the slides, and they just go boom, 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 boom. Uh, Psalms chapter 45, look if you would at verse number 6. And here's what it says. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Would you agree God's throne is forever? forever and ever, and eternity goes on that way, right? Uh, now look what it says here. The scepter of thy kingdom is a, is a right scepter. Uh, do you realize that Jesus Christ is not on the left hand of God? He's on the right hand of God. You know why, you know why he's on the right hand? That right hand is a sign of power. And it's, it's closely associated with that of the firstborn son. And I'm going to show you that in just a moment. But look at verse number, I want you, I want you to walk out very confident Jesus Christ is God. Uh, not just because of one verse in Timothy, but several verses from the Old Testament front and back. All right, look at uh, verse number seven. Uh, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath what? He's the anointed son. Now, look at uh, Hebrews chapter one in light of that. Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one. I think one of the most beautiful sounds in the world, yeah, a, a baby cooing is one of them for sure, you know, a, a teenager when they get old enough to leave the house, that's another, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, uh, all right, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one, the sound of the flipping of pages, you guys flipping through pages, that's a great sound, Hebrews chapter one, and look if you would at verse number eight, but unto the son he saith, who's talking, God. God's talking in Psalm 45, and look what he says. Under the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God. It's God the Father speaking to God the Son. Thy throne, O God. And he calls him God. Why? Because not, it's not thought robbery to be equal with God. Jesus Christ is God. So God the Father calls him God. You say, why? Because he is. <laughs> 
But when he comes down to this earth, he's known as the begotten Son of God. So he says, uh, the, the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And he goes on to quote the exact thing that you read about in Psalm 45. But he gives you a, a New Testament understanding that God the Father speaks these words to God the Son. All right? And so in, in light of that, look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And you know this. This is where... Uh, I believe it's Philip uh, or Thomas. Is it Thomas? Philip? Thomas? I think it's Thomas. Uh, John 14. John 14, look if you would. No, it's Philip. I was wrong. Uh, John 14, look at verse number 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the what? All right. So you know, you know what you're seeing over and over and over with the understanding that if Jesus Christ is not God, he cannot satisfy the justice of God as laid out in Isaiah chapter 53. He can't do it if he's not him. You're not saved if he's not God. Now, I didn't say you had to understand that when you got saved. The gospel is real simple. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. And, and look, that's simple. That's real easy. All right? But when it comes to understanding the, the depths of what went into your salvation, if Jesus Christ was not God, he was just a man, he could not have paid for your sins and made a perfect payment for them, as laid out in Isaiah chapter 53. All right, uh, now, now understand this much. Jesus Christ is not just the Son of God. He's not just the Word of God. He's also known as the firstborn. All right, now that's important because when he's begotten as the Son of God, he's the firstborn, as the Bible says, among many brethren. New Testament. All right, so if he's firstborn among many brethren, why does that matter so much? Understand this much, and this is why when the Jews heard him say that he's the Son of God, uh, and I do the works of the Father, and they heard that, they picked up stones, you say, why? All, right away, what, they knew what he was saying. In Jewish culture, the firstborn son had the authority of the father to act on the father's behalf as if he was the father, if the father was either incapacitated, uh, could not make it, uh, couldn't be there uh, health-wise or whatever, or was absent. And in the case of Jesus Christ, the father was not dwelling on the earth during his earthly ministry. So when he says what he says, they get it right away. And they see that as an attack against the deity of God, that this man is not God, and yet he was. Look, if you would, at uh, Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. Uh, listen, Esau uh, had uh, the right of the firstborn. He sold it away. All right? Uh, that's something you don't want to do. Don't sell out your birthright, right? There's a lot in there. Uh, but Jesus Christ, I'm thankful Jesus Christ didn't sell out. I'm thankful he went all the way to the end. Look at Exodus chapter 13. Why am I going through this? I want you to understand from a number of angles. From the, number of the, uh, from the angle of the word of God, he's God. The son of God, he's God. The firstborn, he's God. Uh, look, if you would, at Exodus 13. Look at verse number one. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify me unto me all the what? The firstborn had a special place, uh, according to God, from God's perspective, in the house. The firstborn was not, was not only one that was given as a, as a means of representing the family, but also if the father couldn't be there, the firstborn acts on behalf of the father, which is why Jesus Christ said, I work the works of him that sent me and the works of the father, the works that I do. When they heard that, when we read that, we don't think it's a big deal. They knew right away what that meant. And you know what he was doing? Making himself equal with God. You say, why? Because he is. <laughs> All right, look, if you would, at uh, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. You know what's amazing? God makes us joint heirs with Christ. 
and we have access to the blessings of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Uh, look at uh, Luke chapter 2, and it's a great story, great uh, passage, if you will, uh, Christmas time, Luke chapter 2, and uh, where am I at here? Look at verse number 7. Mary brought forth her what? Now, let me say this, that was her firstborn, but let me also say this, that was God's firstborn as well. He's, in Hebrews, called the firstborn among many brethren. So when, he, when, when Jesus Christ makes the claims that he's making, he's not being blasphemous. He's fulfilling prophecy. He's living up to the Father's will. So when you read in your Bible, when someone says, well, Jesus Christ is a good man, he's a, he's a great teacher, but he's not really God, you need to take a time out and go, yes, he is. And you need to know why he is, because the Bible shows us clearly for him to have been our Savior, to fulfill all the prophecy, he had to have been the Son of God that was equal with God, but humbled himself. Why? To interact with us. The reason you see the distinctions that you do in the Godhead as they are is for that purpose. Now, I don't have all the answers on this, and we're running out of time, but 1 Corinthians kind of gives, there's a, a verse in 1 Corinthians, and I don't want to make a doctrine out of it, but it kind of gives the understanding, the potential understanding that in eternity, when we get way out here, the distinctions in the Godhead won't be as they are right now. And I'm going to leave it there for now, and we'll maybe jump into that some other time. But I'll just say, for now, understand this much. Uh, he's the Son of God. He's the firstborn. He's the Word of God. He is God. Amen. Now, listen carefully. He's not the Father, but He is God. Amen. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, but He is God, as is the Spirit of God. We see that they are, those three are one. But they are, in fact, all God. Uh, and when someone tries to convince you otherwise, understand that what they're doing is they're twisting Scripture. Uh, I watched, and I'll close with this, I watched uh, Megan's dad, Brother Mike Flick, a uh, missionary in, in uh, South Africa, uh, do a debate with a Muslim man. It was very uh, uh, civil, very courteous, uh, no nastiness between each side. Uh, however, I would just say uh, that uh, any attempt to point to Jesus Christ being God with all the verses proven, they were twisted left and right. Uh, and uh, I mentioned that to say this, if you have an agenda when you approach the Bible, you'll find reasons to uphold your agenda instead of upholding God's truth. The best way to approach the Word of God is with humility and saying, God, I need you to show me what's right, no preconceived notions. When you catch yourself going, but God would never stop and go, what does the Bible say about that? Amen. Well, God, oh, God would always. Okay, well, how does that line up with Scripture? You say, why? Because that's how you find the image of God. Let's all stand. We'll take a break there. Uh, again, the charge of blasphemy was an unfounded charge because Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. You know how I know that? He rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Eric, if you ask God's blessing, we just heard.